Welcome to Collier's Talks, a podcast series featuring the latest trends, insights, research, and developments in commercial real estate in Canada and beyond. Hi, I'm Nick Aguineris, Executive Managing Director of Supply Chain Consulting for Collier's Canada. In this logistics disruption series for Collier's Talks Industrial, we speak with industry leaders to explore topics that are impacting the supply chain sector. We will dive into the major trends and shifts that are keeping supply chain managers awake at night as they try to plot a course to get ahead of what's next. Today, we're going to talk with Mark Hensler from AutoStore. Mark graduated from the University of Georgia and has 15 years of combined engineering and sales experience. He joined AutoStore in 2017 and has been responsible for driving market awareness of the AutoStore product line throughout North America. Thank you, Mark, for joining me today. Hi, Nick. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. I would say that this is an amazing new cube storage automation technology, but it's actually been around since 1996. And it's funny, I remember watching some of the marketing videos about air housing versus warehousing and think how prescient that was when you consider today's industrial real estate market and the lack of available space. So we've seen obviously massive disruption in terms of demand surges and labor availability in in markets across North America. Um, how has the decision to automate changed in the past year? Yeah, absolutely. You know, prior to COVID, the, the warehouse and supply chain management industry, um, you know, as a whole was still rather slow to adapt to automation technology. The traditional warehouse involved, you know, a fairly simple approach where uh, warehouse workers would, would work alongside low tech solutions like conveyor systems and, and pick modules and when that peak season came, uh, you would simply see them adding temp labor to, to meet demand. And so yeah, at the time, you know, those fully automated systems were, were seen as requiring uh, it's a really serious investment and uh, were looked at as maybe not quick to, to implement or easy to install. So many followed that approach. Uh, you know, if it's not fixed, you know, if it's not broken, let's, let, let's not fix it. Uh, well, you know, COVID-19 really changed all of that uh, due to the lockdowns and uh, social distancing measures, most of these traditional warehouses are experiencing shorthanded staffing issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, reliable, you know, labor was, was already difficult to come by a few years ago. So, you know, COVID-19 really took it to a whole new level. And, um, you know, we really don't expect it to bounce back to where it was prior. Uh, you know, as an example, I'm a millennial myself. And, you know, I don't see them, you know, we don't particularly favor highly laborious jobs and warehouses lifting boxes all day long so um you know we 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 see that kind of uh you know as long as as far as you know warehouse workers um starting to to really um decrease and become hard to to come by to find good uh good labor and so uh, we're also seeing covid causing sharp increase in demand for certain industries especially uh e-com and grocery, for example, which is, you know, it's really accelerated the idea of doing more with less from a lead time, cost, and work, workforce perspective. Uh, so this is really serving as, you know, the catalyst for, for warehouse and supply chain industry to adopt and implement automation technology uh, to shift and adapt to, you know, this new normal. Interesting. Yeah, you touched on a couple of things there about the labor and availability and, and the people, but as long as we have people, there's always going to be culture. Um, what are your thoughts on some of the challenges that companies may have from an acceptance perspective uh, on bringing on board new automation and technology in the warehouse? 
Yeah. So, you know, like I said before, you know, pre-pandemic, automation was viewed as a luxury. And now it's, it's becoming more of a necessity. And so, you know, but this still presents internal challenges for, for companies, um, you know, from a labor reallocation perspective, uh, an IT perspective, defining um, KPIs around system performance and reliability uh, for these new automation systems that are going to go in. There's a lot of uneasiness around that. Um, so you really, you know, being prepared for those challenges is, is really all about planning ahead, um, setting the right expectations with, with uh, the technology suppliers, getting buy-in uh, from all departments early, um, and, and really working with experts, um, you know, consultants, for example, can really go a long way to alleviate uh, a lot of the apprehensions to automate. Um, you know, there, there's always the question, you know, what happens if I can't get to my product if, if the power goes out? Um, well, there's, you know, a lot of these newer emerging technologies, um, you know, are, are highly redundant. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, if, you, if, if your lights are out in your facility and your power's out, you're probably not operating anyways. But uh, the flexibility and redundancy, reliability of these automation systems has come so far with just, just the past few years. Um, uh, you know, another thing in speaking with, with labor, um, you know, it's still required um, to, to work alongside automation. Um, you know, you've heard a lot about these cobots or um, even, you know, cube storage automation like auto storage and still requires that, that, that automation. And so, um, but it's allowing these, um, these technologies allow for um, new job opportunities that are less physically demanding on pickers. And so it may open the door for a more senior person of age um, with the improved ergonomics that come with automation. Uh, or present, you know, new exciting technical positions for, for the younger generation, you know, watching over these robots, managing the software that, that controls them. Um, yeah, that, that, that brings an interesting side where, where technology and automation and, and, and adaptation has historically always created new opportunities. So, you know, you look back at production lines and, and the manufacturing world where robots were applied and the jobs still continue to multiply because they're, they're just different jobs, essentially. Um, right. And there's new jobs that are created, the technology, the support, um, managing and programming and, and application side, rather than the doing of the moving of the boxes. Absolutely, absolutely. Interesting. The other aspect as well, from an automation perspective, and, and historically, we've always seen large installations uh, required to generate sufficient ROI for automation. How has the size of installations changed over the past few years? Well, you know, I would say three to five years ago, the size of warehouse automation systems uh, in, in, in warehouses in general, it seemed to be rapidly growing. Uh, many companies were consolidating their facilities, bringing together uh, different business functions and an, and an omni-channel distribution approach that was kind of the trend. And you know, while that still very much exists, we're also seeing this, this new trend where companies um, are implementing several medium-sized DCs located in their target markets um, to ensure this, this speed to market they, they need to stay competitive. Um, good example of that would be micro-fulfillment centers, dark stores, metro e-commerce centers. Um, and you know, these, these companies are um, also looking at repurposing vacant buildings such as you know, maybe a sports authority that went on business or a Toys R Us um, or, or, or strip malls, for example, um, for their, their direct to consumer and last mile uh, delivery services. 
Um, you know, the e-grocery industry, for example, is rapidly adopting automation technologies to meet um, the, the changing buying habits of their, their clients. And so you know, automation has an even more important role to play uh, in this environment because of, um, you know, the real estate challenges that come with these non-standard uh, warehouse layouts. So this, this density of storage is, you know, really a top priority due to these uh, reduced footprint. Um, you know, in the grocery, for example, uh, we're seeing these dark stores pop up because uh, they tried to have these personal shoppers come in, right? That were, were buying the, the orders that you or I place online. And they ended up really clogging the aisles, reducing that um, or degrading that in-store experience for, for the people that do come in. Um, they were seeing out-of-stock problems. Um, and so, you know, shifting that offsite, um, implementing automation is, is uh, paramount importance to them right now. Interesting, yeah. And, and you touched on a couple of different of the hot trends right now, micro-fulfillments, dark stores, um, dark kitchens, you know, on that side of the, right. of the aisle. But in the EBITDA e-grocery, and you talk about that, what about different environments? You know, we talk, most of the things that I've seen have been in the ambient space, but are there opportunities in cold storage or, or different temperature environments, humidity environments? And how does that affect the design and solution for both material handling and the building envelope? Yeah, yeah. You know, there are opportunities um, in, in uh, cold storage or, or um, controlled environments. Uh, there are special considerations. Uh, that need to be accounted for when, when implementing, especially, you know, material handling systems in a, in a cold or chilled environment. Um, you know, first I would say, you know, uh, what is the operating temperature uh, of the technologies that, that you are considering? Um, you know, some robots, for example, um, are, are not rated to operate in a below freezing environment. Um, you know, one of the reasons for that is it's not necessarily the cold, but it's, it's the humidity that's a common issue that can affect uh, electrical components, you know, so that should be taken definitely into consideration. Um, you know, what are the, the special bin or, or carton requirements for your inventory um, to, to keep it at a certain temperature? Um, so certain technologies, um, you know, may only be able to accommodate a standard bin. For example, AutoStore has a standard bin option. And, um, you know, we unfortunately can't veer too far outside of that, that standard bin. There's certain things we can do inside of the bin um, you know, putting in uh, um, insulation, things like that are, are definitely a possibility, but um, something to think about is what are your bin requirements? Um, special sensors are often needed um, for uh, monitoring those environments, um, especially the ones that have sensitive inventories. They have to make sure that uh, they, you know, you keep that zone inside of your warehouse at, at a consistent temperature. Um, and, you know, for grocery, for example, maybe it's certain products that have to stay within a, a specific temperature zone or they spoil, uh, uh, you know, more quickly. Uh, so, yeah, that's, and, you know, other things to consider, you know, for, for the layout of those facilities is, um, you know, those different temperature zones and thought will need to be put into how you consolidate or marry up orders downstream. Um, so, you know, if there are products stored in different zones, maybe one is a manual walk-in freezer, uh, and then you have an automated zone that, for, for ambient product. Well, when an order is, needs components from, or, um, uh, components from both uh, zones, how, how do we marry up that, that, that downstream and, 
um, what do we need to consider with building layout when doing so? Um, you, you bring up a couple of good points of, you really need to know your profile. You need to know your business and know the size, not just of the size of your products, but what your flow is through your facility, um, your frequency of orders, your skew movements and velocities, and, and really understand what your order profile is when you're making the decision to automate. And, and how do you factor in things like growth into that equation? Yeah, so, so one of the things that we actually like to say is, um, you know, build for your needs today and expand tomorrow. So, you know, don't build the, the church for Easter Sunday necessarily. Um, these new automation systems, these emerging technologies are, are flexible. Um, they're quick to expand. You can expand them while on operation. So we're seeing, um, you know, the ability for these automation suppliers to, to quickly ramp up uh, the, the throughput rate of a system. Uh, as needed by, by adding additional robots and things like that. So it's something you want to keep in mind, uh, definitely growth, where you're going to expand the system as needed, um, you know, the, the floor layout, maybe all the way down to, you know, hey, we need a super flat floor surface for this automation uh, this automation technology, um, but we're going to expand uh, that, that slab. We're going to build it out because we know we're we have intentions on expanding the system in the future. So, so build that, that floor, that super flat floor slab out. Um, maybe even all the way down to, you know, the sprinklers, um, fire suppression systems that, that are needed. Um, so when you're ready to expand that system, um, it can be done so very quickly without, you know, disrupting ongoing uh, operations. So the other, the other question I have is, you know, you know, looking back again, I think of automation as crane-based, heavy on the infrastructure and rigid in its solution. But technology has really changed. How has that technology affected the different automation systems and, and how has the yeah. application of it changed over the last five years? Yeah, over the last five years, um, you, know, you know, I would say five years ago, we we're just starting to see the emergence of technologies like, like AMRs, the autonomous mobile robots and, and cube storage automation for that matter. Um, today, those systems are, are widely accepted. And they're quickly becoming the preferred solution for, for many distribution operations. Um, you know, it all started with, with Amazon's Kiva robots and has you know, rapidly gained uh, market-wide acceptance ever since. And we're seeing, you know, these, these flexible and highly scalable solutions have become, you know, really uh, the most importance to, to our clients. Um, automation systems that can rapidly expand uh, in terms of storage capacity or throughput are, are, I think, seeing the most success out there in the market right now, uh, as well as solutions that, that don't require significant changes to the existing warehouse infrastructure, like I mentioned. Um, so, you know, we're seeing this emergence of uh, robotics as a service, for example, and uh, also pay-per-pick uh, automation solutions. Um, I think that will continue to grow. Um, she's these automation solutions also that you know, can fit into odd spaces that can wrap around buildings uh, or building columns or, or walls. Um, and, you know, like I said, expand while in operation. So, you know, when you hit a peak um, during, you know, uh, you know, maybe the, the, the height of the holiday season, um, you're not bringing on a ton of temp labor to, to do that and then having to, to let them go at the end of the holiday season. Hey, let, let's let's add some let's rent some additional robots 
to um, increase our, our, um, our, the rate of this system uh, temporarily. And then we can um, send them back to the technology supplier when, when we're done. Uh, this just really makes just a ton of sense. Um, you know, I, I think I read a statistic out there that um, I think it was Amazon hires, no, maybe not Amazon, I think it was UPS actually hires, you know, 100,000 uh, temp laborers during, during the holiday season. Um, and, you know, that is all driven by uh, these uh, sales forecasts, which can often be unpredictable. And so, you know, are you left at that point with maybe the, the Salesforce guys not being aggressive as you thought, and you're left with all these temp laborers um, spending money, um, uh, you know, on them that, that you don't need to be. So this is this is the shift that, that we're starting to see right now. You mentioned the courier industry and, and they've been operating at peak essentially for the last year, which is, uh, has been amazing given the way their networks have been built, but uh, I don't envy their position and, and the, the challenges that they face. Right. Bring it back to a real estate perspective. What are the top three impacts that new material handling technologies are going to have on the industrial sector? Yeah, you know, that's a, a really interesting question. So what we're seeing is that old becomes new. Uh, these older buildings uh, can now be outfitted with, with automation and extend themselves with, with this higher throughput and uh, you know, lowering costs to, to serve the customer. Um, so it's, it's allowing these tenants to, to stay in the building much longer than, than they used to, where they you know, may have to either expand their existing facility or, or move to a new facility, but it's really you know, making old new or moving into an older facility and, uh, and putting in automation. Um, you know, the, the, the days of, you know, I think, you know, 40 foot plus ceiling heights and these, you know, are, while those still needed for these massive distribution centers, um, for I think those smaller to medium sized companies, it's a, a very realistic that they're going to be moving into, um, you know, some of these older, older facilities. Um, piggybacking off that point is that, you know, size is no longer um, as big as, an, as big of an issue for, for um, a lot of our clients. So, you know, that's, you know, prohibiting factor determining the correct proximity to the customer demand, um, especially with microfilma trends bringing the response time in line with, uh, you know, the consumer order flow. So I think from a size perspective, uh, we'll see a lot of smaller uh, to medium-sized warehouses. Uh, so that would be the second point. Um, and then the third point I would say is this rise of um, urban real estate. Um, value with, uh, with smaller, closer distribution um, designed for urban and high density uh, residential neighborhoods. You know, so we talked about, you know, those dark stores, those dark kitchens, dark distribution centers on, on smaller scales than, than I think what we see, you know, a year ago. Um, so, and also look for, you know, commercial malls to um, lure shoppers back with, you know, robotic automation as an attraction to go along with um, you know, some of the omni-channel uh, retention programs. So those would be my three points. I'd say, you know, old becomes new, you know, the size is not a, as big of a, uh, an issue anymore and the rise of uh, the urban real estate. Now that's where uh, the impact of these new material handling automation technologies are, are having on uh, that, that real estate market right now. 
Mark, I really want to thank you for joining me today. I really appreciate the insights that you've shared with me and our listeners. I want to thank everyone for listening in. Tune in for more great episodes on the Collier's Talks Industrial Podcast, where we explore hot topics in supply chain and industrial real estate. Thanks, Mark. Thank you for having me, Nick. It's been a pleasure to be here. Thanks for listening to Collier's Talks Podcast. To learn more about Collier's Canada, our experts, and our solutions, visit colliers.canada.com or find us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook.